Exodus chapter 37. It's where we finished up last evening. And um, we want to just continue on, uh, just close off a few of our thoughts from last night. Um, we uh, stopped at uh, Judah's first uh, recorded words. We never really touched on this concept of uh, them taking, the brothers taking the tunic, Joseph's coat of many colors, uh, killing a kid of the goats, dipping the tunic in the blood. Uh, verse 32 says, Then they sent the tunic of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, We have found this. Do you know whether it is your son's tunic or not? And so uh, it says he recognized, and I guess we would say this, that it's interesting, isn't it, that um, years before that Joseph, uh, or years before Jacob himself had deceived his father with the blood of a goat. And so now he's deceived in the very same way. Some uh, apply to this the principle that um, whatever a man sows, that he also will reap. Now, of course, uh, we know that the Lord in turn uses this, but um, certainly that's a closing idea. Also, uh, he says, we have found this. Do you know whether uh, it is your son's tunic or not? And so what's strange about that statement, you think? Do you know if this is your son's tunic or not? Uh, relationship is missing, right? Joseph was also their brother, wasn't he? They're not attributing that, right? And you remember that's the same exact language used in Luke chapter 15. We already saw that Luke chapter 15 is connected to this. You remember with the brother that stayed home? Do you remember what he said about his should have been his brother? He said this, I don't know uh, uh, your, your, your son, not my brother, your son wasted his, your inheritance on riotous living. And so there's this missing relationship. Right. And so, uh, you know, that even in the story of the Lord Jesus told and what happens here, this needs to change. And so we're going to see that when we get further into into Joseph's life, that this this relationship, it needs to change. Uh, it eventually that the brothers, Judah included, is going to love. Is going to love what the father loves. That's a Christian relationship. Right. And so. Uh, the victorious Christian life uh, is loving what God loves. What does God love? Well, John chapter 3, the Father loves the Son, right? I remember years ago, um, a girl that was off the street, she was a, a heroin addict and she had all this tragedy in her life, um, uh, endless pain and suffering. And... Um, she used to come to a Bible study um, in our home and she would say to me all the time, God's in my life. I felt Him come in. And I'd say, Sheila, I don't see that in, in your life. Like, I mean, I don't want to judge, but I just see, you know, no victory, um, no connection, uh, no way to get out of, out of this life. And so this, this remained her testimony. And, and, um, and I remember thinking, Man, she sure talks a lot about God. And so I said to Sheila, Sheila, I hear you, you talk about God, but there is this verse, and I read it to her, uh, He that has the Son has life, and he that doesn't have the Son does not have life. And she says, God has a Son? And I'm like, I'm a bit shocked. I said, Sheila, you, you didn't know that? She said, I never heard this before. 
Well, within a few weeks, Sheila met the son. Um, and when she met the son, her life was different. Uh, <laughs> she lived in our house and uh, she had a Bible. She had the, the shakes. Um, and, and she used to drink coffee and spill it all over her big Bible. And she highlighted um, pretty much every verse. Every verse spoke to her after she uh, met the son. And, you know, uh, the whole thing spoke to her. And so if, you know, people say, uh, you know, I love God. Well, there's no loving God apart from loving the son. And so, so these, these men, they're missing that relationship with their father. They don't love their father, right? We see that uh, they lie and they deceive their father. Uh, verse, uh, verse 35 says, And all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted, for he said, For I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. And I guess some have pointed out the, uh, the difference between, say, the faith of Jacob at this point and the faith of David. You remember David lost a son, right? And what was David's reaction when his son passed on, died? Uh, he got up and he did what? <coughs> Ate and worshipped the Lord, right? No longer knowing that he could see his son recover, but that he could in fact go to his son. So the distinction. Turn over. We're not going to touch on verse 38, or sorry, chapter 38. We already made reference that uh, it has a dispensational teaching for us. We're going to read in verse 39, or sorry, chapter 39, verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of the master, of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house and he has committed all that he has to my hands. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was inside, that she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. 
So it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside that she called to the men of the house and spoke to them, saying, See, he has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice, and it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out, that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came in to me to mock me. So it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. So it was... When his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. The keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Let's again ask the Lord for his help. Father, we're thankful for yet another day that you've given to us. Father, we thank you for Christian fellowship and the hospitality that we're able to enjoy one with another. Father, we thank you for joining us together in the body of your beloved Son. Father, our prayer is that we would see the Lord Jesus. We would be reminded of him. That as we behold him in his glory, that uh, even according to your word, we might be changed into his image. Father, it's our prayer, it's our desire this morning, so we ask for it in the help of your Holy Spirit. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. <coughs> Amen. Uh, some of the major themes of this chapter certainly are uh, prosperity, uh, success, those are great subjects, uh, authority, that's another major theme uh, in this chapter, and uh, they're not co- disconnected, are they? Success, uh, authority, uh, these things are not disconnected in Scripture. Now, prosperity, uh, what is a prosperous life? What does it look like? Uh, Is it the so-called prosperity gospel, the life of a Christian who's obedient uh, would be wealthy? Uh, Say, well, not so much wealthy, but... um, free of suffering, the obedient Christian life, free of suffering, free of pain. Uh, Never. It's not only a New Testament doctrine. Here's Joseph. Uh, He's living uh, a successful Christian life. The passage tells us that he's prosperous, right? That People observe his prosperity. They observe that the Lord is with them, and yet he's a slave. He's a servant in the house of Potiphar. Um, you know, we thought of um, 
Genesis uh, chapter 22 last night in the first mention of love. Uh, is that a tough time in Abraham's life, do you think? Hey, that's the toughest time in Abraham's life, right? Uh, do you remember how that, that um, chapter begins? Do you remember the first words of Genesis chapter 22? John, do you? After all these things. Right, it says, after all these things, all these things of obedience, right? All those things Abraham did, all those acts of faith. Now, not always acts of faith, of course, because even in contrast to, to chapter 39 here, uh, both Abraham and Joseph ended up in Egypt. What was the difference? Joseph was brought down into Egypt. Abraham went down into Egypt. So there's a distinction. Um, uh, but all those acts of obedience, uh, those acts of obedience by Abraham, then it says, after all these things, then did God test Abraham. Real faith has to be tested. Two on the road to Emmaus, Luke chapter 24. The Lord Jesus walking with those two, potentially a husband and a wife their hearts burning within them. And they come to their house. And you remember what it says concerning the Lord Jesus. Uh, he made as if he would go further. Did he want to go further? No, of course not. He came to comfort them. And so uh, their faith must be tested. Um, keep your finger here. Turn to... Second Chronicles, uh, chapter 31. Second Chronicles chapter 31 and verse 20 says, Thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah, and he did what was good and right and true before the Lord his God. And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God, in the law and in the commandment to seek his God, he did it, notice this, with all his heart, and he prospered. That's the same principle we're talking about Joseph. You know what the next verse says? After these deeds of faithfulness, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered Judah. He encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them to himself. Now, if we were to read the corresponding uh, passage in Isaiah, we would see that this was a very trying time in, Hezekiah, in Hezekiah's life. I mean, he was um, distraught. So he has these acts of obedience. He's doing, he's doing all these deeds before the Lord. He's given the Lord his whole heart. Uh, linked with prosperity is tribulation, trial. Well, that's Joseph's life. That's chapter 39. That's the life of 
prosperity looks like. And so we were reminded last night um, that those who live uh, godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You know, sometimes, um, you know, it's been pointed out that as Christians, we we think of um, when when things are going real well, you know, that the Lord is really, in my mind, blessing me that I'm on the right track. But that's not biblically true, is it? You know, the, Paul, in writing to the Romans in chapter 2, says that as we reflect on the goodness of God, sometimes the Lord heaps His goodness on us for what? To bring us to repentance, to a change of mind. And so, uh, you know, this is what Joseph, he's living this life of prosperity, but it's not uh, apart from suffering. Uh, it's not uh, apart from uh, being under authority. You know, it's interesting that, that Joseph never again tells his dream or his two dreams in, uh, in, in Egypt. Never when he's in Gentile uh, captivity does he ever again talk about his dreams. He remembers them, but he never again tells them. He doesn't tell uh, Potiphar, right? He's uh, actually a man of action, isn't he? It's not, it's not that Potiphar knew the Lord was with him because of what he said. You notice that? It's because of what he did. And so we want to have impact, right? Uh, but we know that there's uh, ways to minister to the household, right? To the people of God. You know, the Word of God is what ministers to the, to the people of God. And we know that the Word of God is not apart from salvation, that people aren't born again apart from the Word of God. But how do I have impact in the world? Well, by the things that I do. Right? This is what this is what Potiphar observed. Right? And, and, and you know, this is the same principle that Peter talks about. Last night we said that Peter lays out these um these um universal truths. Runs right through. You know, at least four universal truths that we all enjoy together. The whole body of Christ, the church from Pentecost till the rapture, all these universal truths. And then he goes on to talk about how our actions can speak to those around us. Uh, he, in fact, says that uh, he exhorts the Christians to be stirred up unto good works, right? so that in a coming day, people will be able to have observed my good works, my good works, and will glorify God in the day of visitation. Right? You know, there, there's going to be a day when, when, when the Lord Jesus Christ is vindicated, Right. This is what Joseph, that's the dream we read about, uh, the two dreams in, in chapter 37, that the Lord Jesus is going to be vindicated. And Peter says, in that day, in that day, the blasphemers, the blasphemers will have to vindicate the name of the Lord Jesus because of the good works of his people. That's what Peter talks about. Uh, this is what Joseph is doing. Uh, his good works, Potiphar observed by the way in which he operated, by the way in which he lived, that he was, the Lord was with him. And so, uh, you know, I think that's something that I need to be challenged in in my life. You know that um, Peter, uh, in his second epistle in chapter 1, talks about, you know, how we, we move along in our faith. Remember that? He says, you know, your faith, that body of truth. He says, now add to your faith. Remember? Do you remember what's the first thing uh, he says to add to our faith? Do you remember? 
starts with a V, virtue. Virtue, which is the word for goodness. You know, Peter was a theologian. You know, sometimes people say that Paul's the uh, great theologian of the New Testament. We agree that he is, but Peter was a theologian. He knew theology. And so uh, he says to that, to your faith, that body of truth, right? You know, that saved us, right? All those things included, uh, you know, being born again, those things we thought about, justification, uh, you know, cleansed by the blood, whatever, redemption, regeneration, all those words that fit under that, that umbrella of the, the, the body of faith by which we're saved. He says, now add to that virtue. You know, virtue, goodness comes before knowledge. It's interesting. Goodness comes before knowledge. You know, Peter, in um, Acts chapter 10, uh, in Acts chapter 10 says that, uh, in summary, he sort of gave a summary of the ministry of the Lord Jesus. Do you remember that? He said, the Lord Jesus, he said, he went around healing people. Well, he did that. We know he did that. Peter says he went around doing good. The Lord Jesus, uh, in every life he came in contact with, he did good. Now, were all those people saved? No. But the Lord Jesus lived a life of goodness. Um, there were some uh, you know, famous preachers in the book of Acts, great preachers who were taken home prematurely, right? Martyred. Uh, the church never got together to see them resurrected. Not that they weren't good preachers, right? But there was one person, when she was gone, uh, the church got together and asked the apostles if they couldn't see her resurrected. Do you remember what she was famous for? Good works and alms deeds, right? Her alms deeds and her good works. And so, hey, the church can't live without that. I, mean, I, I don't want to say this, but I guess maybe preachers are a dime a dozen. Maybe that's the point. And uh, people, Christians who are exercised for uh, good deeds and are, are good works and alms deeds, those, those are rare. And so this seems to be that not just the emphasis of the ministry of the Lord Jesus. Peter takes this up and continually uh, encourages the Christians to be involved in good works, goodness. This is what's going to give me impact in the world. Uh, this isn't foreign to his, Peter's thinking, for instance, in Second Peter 3. He says, sanctify the Lord God in your heart, right? Set him completely apart in your heart and then be ready always to give an answer. When people ask, of course, when people ask, what must I do to be saved? Well, that's an easy one, isn't it? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. But sadly, my problem is nobody ever asks or rarely ever asks what's different. It's different about you. You know, um, a month and a half ago or so, uh, I went in on a Thursday morning uh, into my other room and have a bit of a bookshelf and there was a, a book sitting on the shelf that was turned out and it said God in business and I thought I've never seen that book. I pull it out and it's a devotional. And so uh, I thought that's interesting. So I turned to the um, the first the first chapter, the first devotional and it's called it's entitled The Common Touch. And so um, the writer uses the 
story of Jairus's daughter. You remember Jairus's daughter, and um, and Jairus's daughter is is dying. She's twelve, and so uh, what's Jairus think? What's he like? Do you think? I mean, is he is he uh, is he worked up? I mean, is he worked up? Yeah, he's worked up. Of course, he's worked up. I mean. He hasn't gone to doctors because, for whatever reason, he's already determined they can't help him. And so he comes to the Lord Jesus. Uh, he, he's excited, convinced of that. And, and so uh, he asks the Lord Jesus to come, and so the Lord Jesus does. So now he's on his way to heal Jairus' daughter. And a woman with a blood issue um, sneaks through the crowd, and she touches the hem of the garment of the Lord Jesus. And you remember, she feels, it says, in her body that she was healed. And so uh, the Lord Jesus says, who touched me? And so Peter, you remember, it was Peter who does a poll, a survey, and, and says, no, no, Lord, it's not. that's not what happened. It's just the, the, the mass of people. You're mistaken. You know, it's not somebody touched you. And um, do you remember what the Lord Jesus said to Peter? Virtue, he said, I felt virtue or power, goodness go out of me. What is Peter, or sorry, what is Jairus thinking at this time? You think? I mean, is he is he excited? He's like, Lord, we really don't have time for this. But the Lord Jesus then has this conversation with this lady. She's already healed. But the Lord Jesus has this conversation with her. Now, um, I suggest to you the reason he does is so that her faith in the future wouldn't be based on how she feels, right? Because remember it said she felt that she was healed. But I can imagine some days she might start to get a cold or she might start to get some kind of sickness and think, man, I wonder if it's coming back. And, And so we notice that it wouldn't help her if her faith was built on how she felt. It would be far better for her if her faith was built on what the Lord Jesus said. And so he had a conversation with her. And so when she left there, her faith could be built on what Jesus said. And we know that in our experience, right? Have you ever felt not saved? What time of life is uh, when you feel like you're not saved? Hey, I don't know what it's like for you, but uh, when I'm not living as I ought, and that happens, not infrequently. And and so we need to come back, and and how does it, not based on feelings, coming back to the Word of God. Being able to say, yes, Lord, I do believe. Present tense, right? He who believeth, not he who did believe. He who heareth my word and believes present tense. And so I say, Lord, I don't know about that, but I know today that I am trusting right, in your word. And so uh, this conversation happens between these two. Uh, uh, Jairus is, is, is pressured. Now, the, the, the devotional writer says, you know, that woman wouldn't have felt out of place in the presence of the Lord Jesus. You know, he had that ability to, to move through life and, and do good to those people who came in contact with him. And so then, then the writer says this. Uh, he goes on to talk about that 
every leader who's been successful in business. Now, he says, don't make the mistake that success is based on money. It has nothing to do with that. Some of the richest people in the world, quite frankly, aren't that successful. And so he says, success is based on that ability to move through life and impact people for good. Right? That's what a successful leader is. And so he said, uh, in a business, somebody who's, who's able to uh, raise others up that they might accomplish real things. Well, that's what an assembly is about, isn't it? It's not about the elders doing all the work or the pastors. It's about that ability to shepherd the flock and, and all of us to be involved in this thing together and to have real spiritual opportunities and real uh, be involved in real spiritual work. And so the writer says that, that, um, that these successful leaders all have in common that ability to be able to listen to people and to make them feel welcome in their presence. You know, this idea of an open door where you could come in and talk to uh, the CEO or whatever it is. And so he goes on and he gives some illustrations of, of, um, of these, um, these leaders uh, that, that, that accomplish these things. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to uh, read uh, Letourneau's biography. Is anybody familiar with R.J. Letourneau? It's uh, uh, God Runs My Business. He's the man who's famous for, in the beginning, uh, he used to uh, give 10% of his earnings, his profit earnings, to, to the Lord. And at the end, uh, he used to live with his family and everything on 10%. And they gave 90% to the Lord because there was so much wealth associated with with his um, with his business. If you get the opportunity, it's entitled God Runs My Business. And he's got some pictures in there of his factories. He had uh, three big, uh, he built big earth movers and he had... Uh, Three factories, one in uh, California, one in uh, Alabama or uh, Georgia, I think. Yeah, Georgia, and one up in Minnesota. And uh, he's got, you know, 5,000 people seated uh, seated in the, the machine shop. And he's got a gospel quartet at the front singing. And then they're preaching that every day in his factories, men heard the gospel. In fact, they said that he met a quartet at a, at a college and said, hey, come and work for my company. I'll pay you. And uh, all you have to do is every lunch you have to sing at the gospel meeting. And so these four guys would get together and sing. And so here's a guy who had uh, impact in the workplace uh, who who honored the Lord in these things. And so um, where were we? Where was that going? Did you? You don't know either, eh? Okay. All right, well, um, hey, Joseph, we're on Joseph. Yeah, that I've got. I see that right here. <laughs> see, some stories don't fit. Cindy says, uh, she's nervous for me sometimes because she said, you know, the story, I, I don't think this one's ever coming back. <laughs> and uh, sometimes they don't. That's the problem. But anyways, uh, we're thinking about good works uh, I'm thinking about that that book, The Common Touch. Oh, yes, okay. So, The Common Touch. Uh, and so, I'm reading that Thursday morning. I, I go to the warehouse. I tell the girls. I share it with the girls. I'm like, this is what I want to do in my life. I want to have a common touch. Go out and, and help people. Uh, and so, uh, I leave there. I've got to go to, to the Surrey Courthouse. It's an hour away. We have some vending machines at the Surrey Courthouse. And got to fix a coffee machine and uh 
And so I stop at the little our hardware store, Canadian Tire Hardware Store. I need to get a pipe cutter. And so when I go in, I'm in a hurry. I've got to get right to the back of the store. And when I come, there's this lady. She's got the whole lane blocked off. I'm like, you know, so I try to get around and go around. And, you know, in a hurry, doing things, right? And so get my thing, come back. And she's now she's over one other lane, and she's got that whole thing blocked off. I'm like, man, people. Like, don't they realize there's people trying to get work done here? And I don't say anything. I just think all that. So I pay, and I'm driving. Uh, two minutes up the road, turning on to the uh, brother from Morningstar Bible Camp, phones me. Josh, a huge encouragement in my life. And so I'm telling Josh about the common touch. And I just start on it, and I have this flashback to, the store in my heart and I'm like, man, I have to stop and I say, Josh, I need to be saved. Like, you know, we need to be saved every day, right? Don't we? I mean, we're saved. I'm saved, thankfully, from the penalty of sin. But I need to be saved from the power of sin in my life. I'm like, Josh, pray for me. I will, I will, brother. So I go to the Surrey Courthouse, got the coffee machine open and i got to clean these valves. I've talked to the tech and he says, drop the water and and then wash the valves, put it all back together. So I, I drop the water out of the tank into this bucket. There's a bucket in the machine. And so all this clear water comes out of this tank. So i got this big bucket full of water. And I've got paper towels. And I'm cleaning all these valves. And I put it all back together. And, and I'm running it to see if it works. And I hear this guy. He calls. He says on the other side, hey, excuse me. And I lean back. I'm like, yeah. He goes, uh, do you know where uh, such and such is? And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't work here. He goes, oh, yeah. I'm uh, here to pick up my girlfriend today. She gets out. I'm like, wow, that's a, that's a lot of brokenness, eh? I'm here to pick up my girlfriend today. She's getting out. I'm like, yeah, sorry, sir. I think you have to go upstairs to, to, to talk to those people up there. He's like, oh, okay. He goes, hey, do you own that machine behind that machine back there? I'm like, yeah, that machine? Yeah, I own that. He goes, that thing took two bucks off me last week. I'm like, okay, sorry. So I turn around and I open it. He goes, do you own this one down here? And I'm like, yeah, I own that one too. He goes, that thing took two bucks off me too. I'm like, okay, so I hit the coin mech and dropped two dollars, two toonies, two two-dollar coins into this one. Grammy says, hey, can I, have a, can I have a Kit Kat instead? And I'm like, yeah. So I take one toonie and give him a Kit Kat and a toonie, and then I go back to the coffee machine. I'm watching it, and I hear him go down to the pot machine, put his toonie in there. Hey, this machine just took my toonie. I'm like, what? So I go over and I open it. I'm like, yeah, what are you trying to get? He said, I was trying to get a Pepsi. I said, well, it's empty inside. That's why. So what else do you want? He's like, uh, Dr. Pepper. I go, okay. Hey, hey, take two. Two Dr. Peppers. So I give him two Dr. Peppers. I said, one to ease the pain. He's like, hey, thanks, buddy. And so he's got this folder. He's got all this wallet and stuff. And now he's got these two cans of Dr. Pepper and he heads off. So he goes around. It's a little closed area. And so he goes out, and I can hear him come down around, and I keep working on this thing, and now it's filling up, and I'm just waiting to see if it works. And maybe 10 minutes goes by, and, and I hear this kind of ruckus. It's not like a fight, but it's a bunch of yelling and noise. And so I lean out like this, and it's right here, and he's dropped. He's in the crowd waiting to go into the courtroom, and there's lawyers and people sitting, and he's dropped one of these Dr. Peppers on the tile floor, and it's going... And people are jumping. He's like, oh, sorry, sorry. He's trying to cover this grenade. And there's this lawyer on the phone, and I hear him say, I'm just trying to avoid the Dr. Pepper. And so I quickly uh, duck back in. I'm like, are they going to know I gave it to him? That's going to go. And so then I look, 
And I got a roll of paper towel and I got a bucket of water. And I think, I think I'm supposed to help here. So I take my paper towel and I put it and I walk around the corner like this with the bucket of water. And uh, I walk over and the lawyer goes, where did you come from? And I'm like, oh, I've been following this guy around. I knew this was going to happen. And he's like, so the guy sees it. He's like, he can see what I got. He goes, oh, let me do that. Let me do that. I'm like, no, 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 sit down, partner, sit down. I'll do it. So I get down on my knees and I've got my rag and I paper towel and I dip it in. And, I'm, and um, you know, sometimes when you go through life, you think, I've been here before. You know, you don't know exactly what it is, but whether it's the, the music playing or the, you know, something, I've been here before. Well, I had this feeling that I'd never been there before. I'm like, I've never been here. All these people standing, sitting, me down, cleaning this. I thought, how can that be? You know, 18 years commended to the work of the Lord. I got this puddle now and I'm trying to clean it up. And I said, hey, uh, you know, it's like an elevator sort of scene. You know, everybody's kind of... And I said, um, hey, if somebody slips in this water, would we be able to find a lawyer around here, do you think? <laughs> and this girl smiled. She said, yeah, I think we'd be able to find one. She probably herself was one. And so, anyways, I finish up, I go back, and I close the machines up, and and uh, then I close the door on this other machine, and three bottles of water drop out. So I take one, open it, and drink in it, got the other two in my bag, and just as I'm about to head out, this guy comes around the corner, and he says, uh, hey, is there a water fountain in here? I'm like, hey, partner, I'll do you one better. Here's a nice cold bottle of water. Hey, thanks, buddy. So he goes around the corner, and I can hear him telling his friend what just happened. So just as I'm heading out, the friend comes around the other side. And he says, uh, is there a water fountain around here? I'm like, yeah, it's back there. And I'm smitten right away in my arm. Like, I actually have three bottles. I drank one. I gave one to his cohort. Now I've still got them. I said, actually, here's one. So I gave it to him. And I left. And I went out, out the front of the building. And I thought to myself, you know, after as I'm processing this, could I have done more? You know, I didn't say anything for the Lord. Is that what it looks like? I say, I've never really experienced those things. I'm trying to uh, put into practice what I learn in a book, this idea of the common touch moving through life. And so, actually, the, the next Sunday, I share it with a brother, an elder in an assembly out our, out our way. And I said, you know, I, I wonder if I should have had a tract or or something, or could have done more. He said, Rob, if you'd have given a tract when you mopped up that pop, the lawyer would have probably said that's why he did it. It has an ulterior motive. And I'm not saying that we don't say anything. Hey, listen, there's a book entitled I'm Going Public With Your Faith. And they say in there that... that um, Sometimes people say, I don't preach my faith, I just live it. He says, hey, listen, nobody's that good living. You can't just live it. Sometimes you have to say something like sorry or, you know, I, 
I'm the one who needs salvation. Sorry about what I said. And so, I want to be that person. Like I see in the scriptures, like Joseph, who living in Potiphar's house as a slave. It's a servant, in fact, it says. He was serving Potiphar. Potiphar recognized something about his life that spoke to him. In fact, he commended all of his possessions to Joseph. Everything that happened in his house, it was Joseph's care. Uh, The Lord Jesus went around doing good. That's what Peter was reminded of. Um, We're to be people stirred up to love and good works. We're to provoke one another. We know what that means, right? You know what that word means. Provoking. Sadly, it's always in a negative content or context. But um, this idea of provoking one another to love and good works. Uh, Paul said to the Galatians, Do good unto all, especially to those who are of the faith, the household of faith. And so, uh, ways in which we can find uh, to exercise good works. That's what Joseph did. And, um, and that's probably a good place to, to break maybe. That's sort of the basis of the chapter. And then we want to think in the next section. We'll tie hopefully some more things together with that. Uh, as we move through, we want to think of, um, of Joseph being under authority. Not just good works, but, but um, that he was under authority. We already thought a little bit about that. He was that in Potiphar. He was under Potiphar's authority. We want to think about the principle and move through that idea. So let's close with a word of prayer and have a little bit of a break. Father, um, thank you for your word. And we just ask that you would help us to um, learn and to then put into practice the things you would have for us, the things you would want to teach uh, each one of us. We're grateful that we have... um, the opportunity to have real responsibility uh, in the things you're doing in the world and the things you're doing in the lives of others. And um, we want to be those that are fit for your service, prepared for uh, every good work. And so we uh, just pray again that you would bless us as we fellowship together in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. We'll see you at 5 o'clock.